My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. You're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. We're back. We're live. Hey, Nick. Hey. Hey, Pablo. Hello, gentlemen. I'm Damien, and of course, and this is my co-host here, Nick, and our producer in the background, making sure we're on track. Pablo, thanks for keeping us moving forward. Pablo on the ones <laughs> and twos. <laughs> so uh, a few minutes before we started recording here, I got a message, and this is something that happens in business, but also yep. in the labs and everything that we do. Sometimes things just don't work out the way that you want them to. And in this case, we have a client that has actually declined to continue working with us yeah, through, through our process. We were fortunate enough to you know, go through the beginnings of the process with them. We helped negotiate and finance the lab, as well as set up the actual physical space with equipment and recruit her, her new team, who's doing excellent, by the way. And moving through to the third and sort of final phase that we do, which is more of a, we'll call it on a retainer basis, just to, to upkeep everything that's going on and, and to make sure that we don't fall into anything too negative and, and continue pushing and, and because it is innovation and that's it's not something that's easy. Nothing to take lightly. No, but in this case, they decided that we set them up appropriately and that they're strong enough to go it on yeah. their own. But the reason why this person didn't want to move to the next level wasn't necessarily on just the services and support that they want, but it's much more around they just didn't have a, quote, enough funding or finance to basically afford some of these next stages. And this just kind of talks about what we were wanting to talk about today is our mindset around abundance versus scarcity. And so kind of I want to define a little bit more right. what an abundance and scarcity mindset is. It's probably better to contrast this with a scarcity mindset. Yeah, definitely. A scarcity mindset is just a mindset that basically assesses one's resources, the things that are available, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's any materials that you need to support like a vision or a goal in mind. And you have a mindset mm -hmm. saying, I don't have enough. It's just not enough. That's a scarcity mindset. This contrasts with the, an abundance mindset saying, I understand these are my available resources and the things that I have. This is the amount of money I have. This is the amount of time I have. However, I'm sure I'll be able to get more of this. I'll be able to provide myself in the right. future more time or money. And so this abundance mindset takes an account of all your available resources and doesn't see it as a rate limiting factor, but as a goal to actually increase those rates and limits. Right. And it's not necessarily a, a positive mm. versus is negative. You know, we're really looking at resources going forward. And even myself, you kind of get caught in some of the definitions sometimes, because when you think of positive, you think of more money, you think of more things, more projects. 
it has more to do with how you're going to move forward using the means that you have available than how much positivity you're feeling about all the projects that you have. Yeah, these are important. I'm kind of glad you're bringing this to the forefront, the projects that you have, the projects that you want to do. Basically, we talk a lot about this around the EQ, IQ side of things. This is the emotional quotient aspect of being very aware mm-hmm. or self-aware of what type of mindset you have around an abundance. And so, for example, in finance, people in finance or in investors always use the word return on investments or an ROI. And so this is a way for them to anchor their mindset saying, if I'm going to purchase something or invest in something, it has to return something. And as rudimentary as that might sound, it's much more of an anchoring mindset type of thing for financiers. Because they're not thinking about Mm -hmm. how much they're going to spend. They're thinking about the balance between what they're going to invest and how it's going to be coming back to them. And one thing that I don't think people realize is that our natural human instinct, because we are the descendants of the most paranoid hominids that have (laughs) walked this planet. And so thank (laughs) goodness for our ancestors, we're paranoid. It kept us from getting eaten by saber-toothed tigers. However, this fear mindset or this scarcity mindset also bleeds into our daily, everyday life. And so we're constantly assessing all of the potential threats that could go wrong in our business decisions and our life decisions and anything in that manner. Unfortunately, we're using a prehistoric type of decision tree to make actually some critical decisions that can really like get us either the projects and the things that we want or actually pigeonhole yeah, us into yeah, things yeah. that aren't. And in this day and age with oh, innovation, man. we can't be constantly just risk averse. Right. And what's funny about this mindset or just this way of being is that just talking about it the way that we are right now, it it feels like it's something very easy. You know, you think, oh yeah, fine. You know, I'll just think positively. Think about all the great things that I can do. But it's not that simple. And it's amazing how this small seed Mm -hmm. of a negative thought or the small seed of this Mm -hmm. scarcity mindset feeds itself and grows so quickly. So I'm, I'm looking for a new car right now and you know, you're negotiating prices, you're, you're looking at everything and I haven't had a new car new for me in a very long time. And so it's, it's definitely a a pretty big investment considering, you know, I got rid of my car a few years ago and now it's just the time to get a new one. I was on on the lot looking at these cars and thinking, okay, you know, it's going to be X amount of dollars a month. Well, you know, I guess I have a new business. Uh, Nothing's ever very sure. (laughs) But, you know, this is I was looking at the car that I wanted. And then slowly, you know, I started going deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. into this rabbit hole of of looking at things that Mm -hmm. I had no proof, zero proof. You know, if anything, I had the absolute opposite, which I'm looking at, you know, EDC at, you know, right now and for the past couple of years, we've only been looking at growth, except for when I'm standing in front of that car, all I can think about is EDC going down the drain and me ending up with no job (laughs) and me ending up with no money and then thinking, wow, if I don't have a job and I don't have any money, how am I going to pay for the monthly payments Mm -hmm. that are going to be coming with this vehicle? Forgetting everything. The simple answer is like, I can get another job. (laughs) 
like I'm in science, you know, fortunately where we are, you know, the network is massive and, you know, hopefully I won't be sitting there for six months trying to find something new. But it, it, it was amazing to me how, you know, you and I, Damien, we're in this all the time, every day, coaching people through staying and being in this abundance mindset. And me, myself, find myself in front of a vehicle thinking about making payments. And all I can think about is all the reasons why this mm-hmm. could go terribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, I experienced that not so much with myself. I have been fairly lucky to just jump without really like thinking so much. But what eventually happens is <laughs> I start to take advice and opinions from so many other people around their own scarcity mindset. I remember years ago when I made mm. a jump and said, I'm moving to Boston and getting a position over at Harvard. And that's all I had in my mind. I'm going to Boston, getting a position at Harvard. That's all, and I was going to do it. But yet people go, hmm, that's dangerous. What if you fail? And I'm like, oh, wow. I never thought about failing. I just thought this is where I I pretty much know I'll figure it out. But so many times you start to then hear other people's fear for you. And then you start to wonder, my God, am I missing something? <laughs> is there going to be a lion out there that I should like worry about? And I think this is hard when right. you're an entrepreneur or a visionary leader or somebody who thinks of an idea that does not literally exist. And so you want to try it, but right. so many people are so scared for you, you start to like second guess yourself. You start to doubt yourself and that's hard. Well, because we're comfortable with, you know, quote unquote, no plan. It's not about having steps on how to get to the eventual goal. You know, I think everyone that's an entrepreneur, everyone that is in some type of innovative role, we don't think about the steps. We think about the destination and then the steps just shift with what works and what doesn't. And then eventually we get to the right spot. Yeah. And this is where we work with clients to kind of coach them through this process of what is that vision look like? And Also, what does it feel like? So huge perspective around how that feels, Mm. because what we don't realize is our emotions are actually dictating our actions and behaviors. This creates a lot of like cognitive biases towards what types of actions, steps and processes that we put in place. And so if you're thinking, I want to make sure that I don't fail, you're going to be taking actions to make sure you put security measures. All you're doing is saying, how do I not fail? You're not talking about how am I going to succeed? Right. And all the effort that you put into protecting what it is you already have is taking the time that you should or could be using to think of all the things that you can do to push yourself even farther. Yeah, it's it's powerful. And that's it's, it's so powerful. And it just sucks the effort out of it, out of the innovative feelings and and that creativity, which is something that, you know, everyone's always talking about, like fostering that creativity and and fostering the the young innovative minds. Well, it's not necessarily that we need to shield them from uh, the bad stuff, but it's more about supporting all the creative. Well, I think it's much more than just supporting, but to help them to recognize and be aware or self-aware. Like, for example, we had a client, uh, most of the clients we help in negotiations to get them enough financial resources and even uh, material resources to launch their idea. Mm. So we had one client that we started their lab 
and six months out, we're like assessing their budget. And the client looks at the budget two or three years down the line and says, oh my God, Damien, I won't have enough money two years from now. What do I do? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you still continue on the path and, yeah. and actually produce what you said you were going to do. But Right. It's called a startup budget for a reason. But all they could see <laughs> is into the future saying, oh my God, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm like, yeah, that's in the future. That's way into the future. You're actually now worried about something that hasn't come to fruition. And you're already now taking action based upon something that you like. I said, focus on the things, this, the work that you want to do. And then this, this will produce more resources for you. Be successful here. And that will lead to it. And I think that's a, it's a hard thing to kind of right. like, um, how should I say, adopt when your natural tendency is your flinching right. reaction your emotional side is just to like say, I want to guard myself against anything that could go wrong. Right. And we don't want to lose, you know, and it's the um, the saying of you have to break a few eggs to make yeah. an omelet becomes very true when you're thinking about building these labs and building these projects. So many people don't think about research as a business. You know, when you're in the thick of the science and you're thinking about, you know, molecular mechanisms, you don't think, oh, maybe I'm not going to do that experiment because it's too long. Or worse, am I going to get enough help? Or are these the right people that are going to support me? Am I going to look stupid? Like all of these things that really affect our decision tree. And it's it's a hard part. And what Nick and I try to do is help a young leader to kind of understand their own emotions around these decisions and articulate mm -hmm. it in a way that makes sense so they know what actions to take that makes sense instead of taking actions right. that like, just exacerbates their current anxious scarcity mindset. Just think about how many times we've convinced people to purchase a mouse model to spend $25,000 to keep themselves from spending 50. Like for some reason it's taboo to go and seek commercial products when you could theoretically make it mm -hmm. yourself. But more often than not you're hiring someone to do it. They've never done it before or they haven't done exactly mm -hmm. that thing before. And if they're new, it's going to take them time to adjust. And that's not taken into consideration. Instead of hiring that person to do a bunch of work to justify the whole project while getting this integral piece, which in this case mm -hmm. is just a mouse model, done for you mm -hmm. with a guarantee. And then there's no time lost and there's no money lost because you're not coming back with, you know, errors being made. You know, you've signed a contract that says I'm going to get XYZ and you're not going to get, mm -hmm. you know, XYZ3. Yeah, but do you think that you naturally come to that that conclusion or do you think that this is something that we have to currently always develop? I definitely need to develop it all the time. Uh, my saving grace is that, you know, through our work, we look at things a little bit more longitudinally and we look into the future and we're also, you know, a few minds together and make sure that we're yeah. not missing anything. Uh, that way in the present, it feels better to do this because more often, more often than not, we are procrastinating to do this certain item uh, because it's difficult, because we don't want to do it. And so often these items 
are things that we're pushing off or procrastinating on. And by doing that, it can sometimes Mm hyper-focus us on what we're doing and Mm. we start missing things, especially with our clients where it's usually it's one person Mm -hmm. that's in charge of the whole group, especially at the beginning when it's the first time that you're putting not only this project Mm -hmm. together, but you're putting the lab together. You're learning the the political environment that you've Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. joined um, or you've got new colleagues, you know, mm-hmm. left and right. It's so easy to start missing. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that you brought up that procrastination part because one of the things that I had learned long time ago is the procrastination side of us is a signal, is a signal that we're not aligned to why we're doing the work that we're doing. Not just aligned into the actions we're taking, but the emotions, what it represents. Why are we doing this? For what purpose and reason? We see this within technical expertise. People that just do things rudimentary time and time again. And they're like, what's the point of this? Where is this emotional connection? And so we always have to say, if you're procrastinating, that means that you do not know what you're doing at this moment and how it relates to what you feel like experiencing in the future. This is the whole point of emotional quotient. As really, truly understand understanding this about oneself. Right. And it remind me the the saying that you say all the time <laughs> when they come oh, to you with oh. a problem. Yeah. So anytime when somebody comes to uh, me with a negative emotion and so I get excited while they're much more like, how are you excited? I'm like, no, because this negative emotion is a signal. It's telling us something. It's an opportunity to learn something from this. And so my mantra motto is always saying, if you love what you're doing, you'll know what to do. If you don't know what to do, you'll fear what you're doing. Right. It's important for us to know this is because our emotions are a compass or a compass towards the direction where we're going. We might not always know the road path, but the problem is we're constant, especially those that are highly intellectual. We have to say everything has to be in a very clear, organized path. But innovation isn't like that. It's an iterative process. Not saying that mm. maps, plans, budgets aren't, in, aren't important. They are not the visionary. They are not the directions. I always tell like people like, if we let business people and finance people say, uh, can we make it to the moon? We would have never made it to the moon. Right. So because we're assessing our resources, we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough money for this. And I think this is a hard thing for a majority of the people. And this is why leadership is a hard thing because it's not common, these ideas, and we mm-hmm. struggle. And I really love it when I work with clients and then they get this like, oh my God, I knew I wasn't crazy and I felt that I was going in the right way, but I was listening to everybody else worry about me. And it's a balance. Right. And it's not that, you know, people are trying to (laughs) keep you down. It's just the natural reaction of of trying to, you know, protect someone from going down. Oh, aim too high. (laughs) Got to be careful. You might actually like fail. (laughs) Right. So if I, you know, thinking back to to my vehicle selection experience, because it's useful, I think, to know how to identify or or catch yourself before you fall down the scarcity Mm -hmm. hole. Uh, Even right now, I have problems identifying that because it's so, it's not ambiguous. That's the wrong word. Uh, It's just, I don't have the words to, to describe mm-hmm. those emotions that mm-hmm. surround that experience. All I know, and, and the way that I figured it out was because I started thinking about EDC 
mm-hmm. just completely failing. And that is something that you and I talk about mm-hmm. all the time um, in both directions, EDC doing well or, you know, the contingency plans of, of how things could not go well and, and what we're going to do to keep that from happening. But it's crazy, right? It's crazy when you think about it measured against the actual real world evidence. Right. There was no proof. And and that was that was my saving grace in that moment. I was able to go like, whoa, hold on here. Like there's no, no, no. We're doing, you know, we just finished putting together a huge team. We're working with new clients. We have like people calling us all the time. We just hired on somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that is telling me that it could go mm-hmm. badly or poorly. And here I am just wanting to get the thing that I've been wanting to get mm-hmm. for a long time. <laughs> You know, and, and I, in this case, it's a car, but it's not always a car. It doesn't have to be such a large purchase. You know, it can be as simple. I think the last time I thought about this was I was getting headphones, you know, which is <laughs> like a very small mm-hmm. purchase compared to a vehicle. Uh, and it's just that easy to fall down this hole. And how do you how do you identify that in someone and how would you go about guiding them with techniques on how to catch themselves. Well, you mentioned something earlier about you didn't have the words for it. The moment you did have the words for it, it's this, oh, that's what I'm experiencing. That's what I'm feeling. This Mm. creates an elation within your mind, what your mind, the narrative, the story is saying, and then what your body is feeling. Your mind and body, all it's trying to do is create a homeostatic sensation of saying, all right, I'm in a safe environment. I'm actually. So we either make up stories in our head to justify our uh, our current physical actions, or we change our environment <laughs> to suit the, the narrative in our heads. Right. When it doesn't do this, when our minds and thoughts aren't equating with what we're seeing and observing and experiencing, this is cognitive dissonance. We are body is saying, all right, this isn't right. What is it? And so we create this cognitive dissonance in our head and we cre- and it creates a lot more anxiety. So what, when, however, mm-hmm. when we come up with narratives and stories or terminology or concepts that says, this is what you're experiencing, you lessen that feeling and you go, oh, that's what that is. And you're now back in a, an alignment. You're right. back in homeostasis. And so what we have to do is have people to recognize these emotions and then put their own words or concepts or narratives. Give them a sense of saying, oh, that's why. This is why personal development is a multi-billion dollar industry is because people are saying so many different things right. that other people are going, oh, that's what I'm sensing. That's what I'm feeling. And so when you've mm. given this to somebody, it creates this empowerment and saying, oh, damn, finally, somebody has been saying something that I've truly been understanding. Or they can go, oh, that's a stupid thought. That thought is not really serving me. It's one of my one of my favorite things that happens when when we're working with people. And you know, even just when we're working uh, together, when we have these mm-hmm. big ideas, uh, these innovative, creative ideas and that have come up through Mm -hmm. the abundance mindset that happen for real. When the feelings of uh, not content. Peace, satiety. No, the feelings of pride Mm. that come with achieving this Mm -hmm. goal that may or may not have seemed attainable is so motivating. 
And watching someone come to that realization that the thing that they've been wanting mm-hmm. to do for so long, mm-hmm. they've actually been doing it. I mean, that's what keeps me coming back every time. Yeah, I'll end it with this one story of a client, especially considering after the pandemic of 2020, this client was looking forward to starting their lab and was so excited, but yet nervous, anxious at the beginning of the year. And then as we started the lab, of course, the pandemic hit. Mm. Unfortunately, this created so much restrictions and anxiety and panic across the board. And of course, same thing with ourselves. We had to kind of like pivot and figure out different strategies. However, one of the things we did is say, do you still want this? Do you still want this vision? Our client said, yes, absolutely. Then we are, st- if you want it, we want it too. We'll help you figure this out. And so we did. It took us the whole entire year. And so just the end of last year, mm-hmm. we said, all right, let's recap what happened and look at all of the things that you did. <laughs> and we actually take them yeah. through an exercise of going through this, but not just a physical exercise, but an actually experiential exercise. And this was the catcher. I, let, I told this client, now look at this. You did this. You accomplished everything you said, everything you did, managed to start a new research team, hire a bunch of people, move your family had a child, like you managed to <laughs> succeed in this during a pandemic. And do right. you see this? You did this. And they just started crying because they realized, wow, I had been holding myself back for so long. And that was by bar none, one of the best times I experienced when a client goes, I can trust myself. Absolutely. No, there's really no better treat for us. So if you feel yourself falling down that rabbit hole of the scarcity mindset, this is something that Damien and I work through, uh, obviously ourselves, uh, but also love guiding other people to getting out of that and, and really pushing that innovation and really just helping you push yourself to the next level that you want to be at. Yeah, that's what we do. We're here to help you out. We're part of the management team at Experimental Designs. Reach out to us and connect to us on our website at experimental-designs.com. This is Damien Wilpitz and my co-host, Nicholas Gay-Ross. This is the EQIQ Podcast. Thanks for listening. This was a Raul Maria production. It's like you're super emo and then you're like, oh yeah, we're EDC. Peace. Mic drop.